Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88, wherever you are. Maybe on the internet, maybe in a different country. I'm not sure, but what I do know is that you're joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and we've got the wonderful Danuta with us this morning. Danuta, how are you? I'm good, Lawson. I am so stoked, happy to have you here. We had Nathan the last couple of days and now we've got you in doing radio with us. How, how are you going? You, you know, how, how's life? Been. Yeah, what have you been up to? great, great. Look, loving, loving things, loving the beautiful weather at the moment. And on the weekend, we went down to Newcastle and watched the amazing pool of dolphins and the whales. Yeah. And I just thought, God is so good. Amen. Yeah, my, I, I, multiple people that I know have just been out in the ocean there, particularly off like Catherine Hill Bay and whatnot. My dad was out there. He has videos of do- like whales and dolphins breaching no more than. 15 meters, oh, wow. 16 meters away from him, like <laughs> right next to the boat. It's absolutely amazing. Well, that the winter weather brings all the, the, the dolphins and all the, yeah. everything. It brings them all into the coast and then it's just beautiful, eh? Absolutely beautiful. We had the binoculars and zoomed in, but not as close as your dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> these videos are incredible. And like the dolphins' tails flicking off. It's, oh, it's, um, well, like the, also the big whale, you know, when their tails like, whoosh, you know, yes. it comes over. It's yeah, really yeah. beautiful. But at the same time, like, you know, it, that's a positive about winter weather. But the negative is that we get in here to the studio this morning and it's cold. And <laughs> it's, it's dark. It's cold <laughs> and it's dark and it's freezing. But, hey, God is good. At the same time, you know, recently been enjoying some soup and, you know, just hot foods and whatnot and, and just wrapping up, you know, and sitting in front of the heater and whatnot. I have this little... Um, what would you call it? You know those heaters where they've got to sit on the little button so that they, they run? I've got one of those sitting under my desk. So whenever I'm doing work or whatever, it's just like, just all running. It's just all nice. But hey, I wonder what you guys are up to and how you guys are enjoying the weather. And you can let us know. 0491-064-669. Coming up in today's show, we're going to be talking about India and the extreme violence that is happening over there. You know, people being displaced, churches being burned down, hundreds of them, in fact. It's a really critical situation, particularly as the Prime Minister of India is currently visiting Joe Biden in the US. What is being done about it? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, what's our quiz for today? Okay, our quiz for today, our first quiz is, which apostle was known for his scepticism? Or... Oh, I want to give him a little clue, just just a little bit of a hint, a push in the right direction, just just so we can get the ball rolling this morning. Which apostle was known for his skepticism, or was known as a doubter? Mm. If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. And if you know it, you will go into the draw to win our amazing Revive Cafe cookbook. We're giving away volume eight in our draw on Friday. So again, the number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Which apostle was known for his skepticism or was was known for being a doubter? Zero four nine one zero six four. Six six nine. All right, Danuta, what is happening in the world of positively different news? Well, um, did you know, Lawson, uh-huh. that even in Australia, there's an Egyptian mummified head? Okay, so a, a mummy. Yeah. Well, we know that there are Egyptian mummies, right? Yeah. 
But there's one in Australia, in a museum or? No, not at all, which is really interesting. This is the fascinating thing because uh-huh. so often we think of the Egyptian mummies being overseas hey, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and in the museum, especially the British Museum mm. and those places. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a, an Egyptian mummy head uh-huh. in a high school. Try and guess where in Australia. Uh, I, I don't know, in Sydney or? No, it's actually a small country town. So it's up in, in, um, up above New- Newcastle, so mm. New South Wales, in mm. Grafton. In okay. fact, my family lives out there, and I don't know if they know about it. I'm going to be talking to them <laughs> about it. But, yeah, it's in one of the high schools. Yeah, okay. Is it on display, or how did it get from Egypt to a high school in Grafton? Well, that's the really good question. It's mm. kind of unknown, but they, they're trying to work out how, how it is. But it's actually something that's been there for... Um, a bit over a century already. Wow. So it's actually been part of, yeah, incredible, hey. <laughs> when was the earliest that Australian nationals, you know, went to? I, I'm now wondering if it's even from Egypt, but if the evidence points to it being from Egypt, I know that Australians were in Egypt in 1914, which was a century ago, you know, during World War II. So, well, well around that period of time, maybe, you know, uh, one of our history buffs could get on the line and correct me as to the exact year that the Australians were in Egypt, the light horse. But yep. how how did they just snuck in? A, a, well, I guess they didn't have very sophisticated customs back then. But, uh, yeah, they snuck in, in a, a mummy head and it's in Grafton? In the high school, that's it. Yeah. I'm kind of picturing all of these people who have seen it there for years in the school and just sort of assumed it was a prop or um, something like that, and now they've just discovered that it's actually real, and so they're trying to figure out why. Is it something like yeah. that? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, um, even the students have known, and the teacher, I mean, a number of the teachers have known, because it's in a certain part in the in the school there. But mm. the thing is that there's there's two theories, mm. right? That the only clue they have is about the head's um, backstory and that is that it, it came in a paper bag that was dated on the 11th of July 1960 um, mm. and, it, and it was written decades after the head first arrived in the school. Mm. But it's actually... Think, so one of the theories is the thinking that it actually could be... Um, uh, by Dr. J, T.J. Henry, that it was mm. donated by him around 1915, and you were right. So you were saying around 1914 and yeah. that sort of thing. The Aussies were over there. Um, and he was actually a medical student in Edinburgh before the end of um, the last century. And mm. he was a well-known doctor also then in Grafton. So it's actually um, – and, you know, in Edinburgh was one of the premier places for the British Empire to train medicine. And mm. so during the 19th and 20th century, Britain um, – they were obsessed, of course, with Egyptian stuff, right? Mm. And so it, it's possible with that. And so his grandson sort of um, knows that he, he wrote things in journals, but he's never heard um, that, you know, about his grandfather necessarily bringing this over. Mm. The, um, and so that's the twist to it, that the grandson doesn't really know much in that space. The other the other thing is, is the theory is that there's also another um, – uh, candidate that it could have been um, a man named um, Sir Grafton Elliot Smith, mm. who was born in Grafton and named after the town, and he went on to become one of the world's um, biggest um, epi. epi- Egyptologist. That's oh, the wow. word. Oh wow. Okay. Um, yeah, big word. Hey, and so and so, it's actually not quite known how it got there. It's just been there. So Grafton is just this random center of Egyptian, you know, connection to. Even though probably I assume not many Egyptian people live there, has this huge connection to Egypt that has led to this mummified head just 
turning up. Yeah, yeah, incredible, isn't it? And when you look at it, that's that's in quite incredible history because, mm. um, you know, I, I love the whole story of Egypt and how the Israelites were sure. there, but how God got them out of bondage from there. But there's so much in the Bible about Egypt mm. and um, so much that the history links together with the Bible, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Well, in terms of, you know, information about Egypt, obviously Egyptians were well known for their archaeology they they you know using hieroglyphs and whatnot to to record history um mm. but you have the bible as well which is also you know the a historical document which outlines you know the interactions between egypt and when we when we line up those journeys and we line up those dates we definitely see historical corroboration as well yeah yeah mm. no big time hey look our other story which is really quite quite fascinating is about a firefighter um who actually adopted a um, well? A newborn was actually left in Florida oh, wow. at the rescue station of, of a fire fire station, mm-hmm. and and she's now been adopted by the firefighter who actually found her. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that he heard an alarm kind of go off, and he's like, "Well, this isn't actually a call out for mm. for going to a fire." But he actually he actually stepped outside um, and actually found this this little baby girl um, in a box uh, left there. She had a little bottle with her, and she was just chilled um and um he picked her up and he said his words are that he locked eyes with her and um that that he's loved her ever since he took her to hospital but here's the interesting story um lawson is that Mm. his his wife and he had actually been trying to have a baby for 10 years oh wow and couldn't Mm -hmm. and so they took this baby to to the hospital but two days later she's ended up coming home with them and i love mm. the I, I love this beautiful expression of how she's been adopted by them mm. do you know what i mean like loved straight away like looked into the eyes loved straight away and um and there's this beautiful picture i think of god because when we think of it you know in the bible actually tells us that that um you know it, it gives us a beautiful picture of adoption that no matter what our brokenness we and we've experienced in life god continually pursues us with love and adopts us into his family through what jesus christ has done on the cross for us and um and so we are called sons and daughters of god we're mm. adopted in and, and i think there's this beautiful picture here um of this couple that are just loving this child that's not theirs but has become theirs um, and they've named her Zoe, mm. uh, which is, is just a beautiful name. And, um, so they're just, they're, they're just loving on her mm. in every possible way. And I don't know, um, how, how you, how you feel, but I think that whole concept of, um, you know, being a- adopted in to, to the father mm. in, in both cases here, here in the literal sense and also in the literal sense of the Heavenly Father. Yeah. It's just this amazing picture. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's stories like this that bring me almost to tears. Well, these kinds of themes and concepts of seeing someone being in such a tough state, and I think there would be no tougher state than being a literal newborn baby and being Mm. left on the front doorstep of a fire station. Um, And yet this level of love and self-sacrifice and selflessness of this firefighter to, mm. to go out of their way to accept and to to bring into the fold and definitely that's the the story that we see in of of scripture of the bible mm. where you know despite our well our 
choice to to leave God and you know to reject love and grace and whatnot. Um, mm. He has done everything to enable us to be saved. You know, from that from that perspective of self sacrifice and self sacrificing love, selfless love, completely. I, I and beautiful. and and the thing is too is that we have got this innate um, thing within us that we all want a sense of belonging. Mm. And what better place to belong to than in the family? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're going to continue on with The Breakfast Show this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to have another question, or we're going to have just another quiz, guys. Get ready. Get your phones ready and get them out. Here we go. James used the example of which Old Testament figure to demonstrate how the prayers of the righteous man can have powerful results. 0491 Again, that question was, James used the example of which Old Testament figure to demonstrate how the prayers of a righteous man can have powerful results. 0491 Of course, our prize for this week is the amazing Revive Cafe Cookbook. We want to give it to you absolutely for free. You just need to answer these questions and get in the draw. 0491 Nine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we are going to be talking about India. Do you know much about India, Danuta? Have you no, ever been there? No, not a lot. Yeah. No, I'd love to go there sometimes. I love Indian food. But- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Love, love, a, bit of, love, love a bit of naan. Um, I've never been to India. I've never been to that part of the world. Um, it's a place where everyone who goes there says it's an experience because it's, it's just so different to what we have. I think an experience both in the positive and potentially in the negative as well. But, uh, like, you know, because it's just an incredibly interesting and and different place. But, uh, yeah, India is a really complex nation. And the reason being is that they have a massive population. And then simultaneously, they are an Eastern capitalist country, which then has huge aligning with India, uh, uh, sorry, India, huge aligning with, with England and that whole history there. There is, there is just so much that goes on in India as a result of its situation, its history and whatnot. But in India at the moment, in the state of Manipur, which is in the region's north, uh, there is ongoing just absolute terror taking place. 50,000 people have been displaced and left homeless as a result of mass violence. Uh, 300 churches have been burnt down and people are being attacked in the street over ethnicity and religion. There is a huge religious element to this violence. Now, the question is, well, how did this all start and, and what is going on here? Essentially, there are two communities living in this area of Manipur. There's the Miti community, which is a, the, it's the dominant community of the area. It's largely Hindu. It makes uh, up 50% of the entire state's population with about 3.5 million people as a result of India's last census, which was like in 2011. So it'd be even larger than that now. But you've got this dominant Hindu community of the Metis. Now you have this these other communities, the Naga and the Kuki tribes. So you've got the Miti community and then you've got the Naga and the Kuki tribes. Now, um, the, they make up around 40% of the population. So they're the minority community. And amongst them, you've got the Christian community of the Naga and the Kukis, which is an even further minority. But the Naga and the Kukis, a, a majority of that community is Christian. So you've got this other group of tribes, which are Christian. 
Now, the violence broke out between these two communities because of the ruling over scheduled tribes. Now, I need to explain a little bit what's Please going do. on here. Again, again, <laughs> this is this is complex Indian politics. Mm. So essentially, in India, you have these things called scheduled tribes. And the difference between a scheduled tribe and just a community is that a scheduled tribe is it's like an affirmation towards the community that gives them certain protections. And this is set up particularly to protect minority community. So mm-hmm. when they when your tribe is called a scheduled tribe like the Kuki tribe and like the Naga tribe, they're called scheduled tribes because they're minority communities and mm-hmm. so then they get certain protections and, and benefits as a result of that. Not necessarily because the government of the area is Kuki or Naga or whatever. In fact, the 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 BJP, which is ruling in the area of Manipur, which is the, the, the government in that area, they're, they're not Kuki, they're not Naga, they're not Christian or anything, but they've given these two tribes a scheduled tribe status as a seal of protection. And I love that because the thing is, like you're saying, they're not Christian, but there's, they're actually giving protection to them, which is incredible. Yeah, that's right, because they're, they're a minority community. Mm. Now, you've got the Miti tribe, which is the dominant community in the area, and they're like, well, we want the same benefits as these guys. We want the same protections right. and whatnot, so give us scheduled tribe status. But the government has ultimately rejected them because it's like, you guys are in no need of scheduled tribe status. You're a majority in this area. Area. In fact, the government is even aligned with you uh, wow. religiously. Like, th- there's no need for you to hold this type of status. And, wow. and so they were recommending this, and the Kuki and the Naga tribes were protesting against this because they're like, why Why would these people receive protections? Mm. Um, ultimately, because they're, they're the dominant community in terms of population, if they receive these protections, then they'll actually use it, those protections and they'll use those, those benefits to oppress us. Mm. So don't, don't or give them more power, really, yeah, wouldn't d- it? Yeah, yeah exactly. They'll, they'll use it, that. It'll, it'll, it, they'll use that power to yep. lord over the Kuki and the Nugget tribe. So they're yep. like, please don't. And ultimately the, the high court decision was made and they said, no, we're not going to give the, the Miti tribe any more, we're not going to give them scheduled wow. tribe status because they don't need it. They are the mm-hmm. dominant community in this area. They don't need it. Now, this led to just widespread yep. violence wow. from the Miti tribe. Um, and in the Miti tribe as well, there are Christians too. Mm-hmm. But because of the religious element to this, that you've got the Kuki and the Naga tribes that are mostly Christian in these areas with amongst the Miti, the Naga and the Kuki, all of the Christian communities in this area are just being ongoing and relentlessly attacked attacked in the streets houses burnt down churches burnt down as we as i said well, that's loads 300 churches 300 50,000 people thousand people like the that's... violence has already led uh left a couple hundred people uh dead you know in the streets it is a huge humanitarian crisis and it's coming from the perspective of the meaty the meaty hindus ultimately mm. feeling as though they are being hard done mm. by by the government, but again, they have the ability to, you know, play out these um, these terrorist attacks because they're the do- and be so effective in it because they're the dominant population right. in the area. And so, it it is again the violence and it's just continuing to go on. Now, the 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 big trouble with this violence is that it has been com- left completely unacknowledged by the Prime Minister of India, which is Nar- Narendra Modi. Right. He hasn't looked into it at all. Right now, he's, no comments even about it anywhere. No, he's just he's just left it, and and it's especially important to 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 highlight that because the ruling party 
in the Manipur region is the same as the national ruling party, the BJP. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if you had like a, a liberal Australian, well, right now we have a Labor Australian government and then we have a Labor state government here in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same situation for Manipur as well. Yet the federal government of the of India is just not making any comments they're not making any attempts to quell the violence or to do anything here you've got to wonder why they're not doing that hey why they're not actually why the why the he's not making any comments well one reason is because and this has been highlighted by pms in the uk is to do with the constant underreporting of violence in india okay. that's not just limited to manipur but to the rest of the country so they they don't want to report violence there because again it makes the country look bad um simultaneously in regards to to india um Right now, Modi is actually visiting the US and he's, you know, spending time with Joe Biden and whatnot. True. And a lot of, you know, the Democratic um, representatives there, part of the Democratic Party, they're like, guys, like, like, we really need to highlight this issue and do something about it because it is a major humanitarian crisis. Mm. Uh, yet, unfortunately, it hasn't taken place. Now, as a result of all of this, now the Manipur government itself, um, while the federal government's not doing anything, they have now unrolled a, a shoot-on-site policy True. to rioters for the army. They've brought the army in no of, of the state. And again, this, the violence is ongoing and every day, yeah, churches are being burned down. Again, this, this violence started in May and is just ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. And yeah, 300 churches since May, 50,000 people and a couple hundred people dead as well. It's just an awful, awful situation. And I think that this just goes to show, you know, just how people can be motivated to bring such hurt against mm. other people groups and how divisions can be really drawn, particularly in the area of religion and religious persecution. Mm. We have a quote here from a, a Baptist minister in the area who's like, our fundamental right of worship, our freedom of worship is being completely taken away and pretty Absolutely. much nothing has been done about it until the army has now been brought in. But still, it's not solving the issue of religious persecution. No. But definitely at this time, pray for India. You know, mm. you've got these issues in Manipur and then in other states in the countries, you've just got outright bans on Christianity and converting to Christianity as well. So it's a really, really sad situation and India is in desperate need of prayer. So prayer and support as well for the organizations who are working over there to help um, these persecuted Christians. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Danuta, give us a next quiz. Yeah, so our next question is this one. In the parable of the sower, what did the thorns represent? Was it A, lack of commitment to God, B, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, C, tribulation and persecution, or D, lack of understanding of God's word? Mm. If you know the answer, give us a call on 0491-064-669. Absolutely. 0491-064-669. Do you want to just go through those one more time? Just to get, sure. Get really here we go. In the parable of the sower, what did the thorns represent? A, a lack of commitment to God. B, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. C, tribulation and persecution. Or D, lack of understanding of God's word. Mm, absolutely. Hey, 0491 064 is the number to call or text. 
And right now, it is time for our interview for today. We've got none other than our mental health expert, Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am. Oh, fantastic. How are you going, Jennifer? I'm all right. I'm very well. I have no complaints. Isn't that good? Oh, <laughs> that's a few. <laughs> that's incredible. Man, I, I totally agree with you. I did something to boost my mental health last night. I went to my mum's house and had dinner with her, and it was just it was just <laughs> so cute. It was the best. We ate haystacks together. I cooked them up for her, and she was just so into it. And, um, yeah, we, we're truly living our best lives. So I was, you know, engaging in community, you know, making connections, yes. spending time, you know, eating healthy food, which is good for my health. And so waking up this morning, Knowing that I'm going to talk to you, I'm just like, oh man, I got I got some stuff to say. You know? <laughs> call it endorphins. Absolutely. Your body is producing a lot of happy hormones when we socialise like that, or we look forward to things. It's very positive for all of our health, mm. our whole system. So Absolutely that's good. Mm. Awesome, Jennifer. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, last time I spoke to you, we were looking at the nervous system. Ah, we went through yes. yep, various parts of the nervous system and we got down to the autonomic nervous system, which is mm. a major player in, when it comes to trauma and health and being able to reset the whole system because there are two parts to the nervous system. And we talked a bit about the fact that um, we've got what we call the sympathetic nervous system, which is... Um, is going to rev the engine. Mm. You put the foot on the accelerator. The other one is the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. And we talked a bit about it, but I wanted to enlarge on that today because mm. this is very important as to what we do to reconnect our system and balance the brain via the autonomic nervous system. And what we have to learn to do is to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. Most, most of us run on the sympathetic, and you would probably agree to that because mm. you're always revving the engine. Yeah, um, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From my observation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, and, we're going crazy out here. That's, yeah, that's but it's 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 getting a balance. It's not about not doing that. It's about having that downtime, which mm. you talked about, like having that time with your mum is one of those times. Mm. Um, but with the um, sympathetic nervous system, what it does when it's activated, the survival brain activates it. It, in, it senses a danger. The survival brain is like a radar system that is looking for any threats around you that might attack or might hurt you and it it doesn't discern because it doesn't go oh hang on that isn't a real threat it just everything that represents looks like sounds like smells like Mm. activates it Mm. and that means your um, sympathetic nervous system is then triggered by that part of the brain to actually go into fight or flight Sure. So, which you probably heard of, we fight or we flight. And if we can't fight or flight, we go into what's called freeze mode. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you've ever observed animals, particularly lizards are good at this, where they, when they're threatened, they go into freeze mode and their whole system doesn't shut down. It goes into a very low level activity where you think the animal or the lizard has died. Mm. Right. And, and I've done that. And then I've come back to see if it's okay and it's disappeared. Mm. So it, uh, yeah. So this is what we do. Our system can do that. We can go into what's called freeze mode. Is that and what that happens is... to like deers in headlights? Yes. Yeah. Oh, deers. Yes, they yeah. get stunned and mm. they go into freeze mode. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so although the lights can stun them, but certainly it's all fear kicks in, mm. uh, and that's what we do. Well, it's the same for people. 
and they go into freeze mode. And I've spoken to quite a few people who um, something's happened and they can't respond. They can't talk. They can't do anything. They can't. They, it's like they're glued to the spot. They want to run, but they can't. So that's what we call the freeze mode. Now, to, I guess you could say, thaw out the freeze mode. We need to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the brake. It puts the brake on. So what we want to do, like, well, this is what you did last night by going out, socialising, doing things to mm. release a lot of the stuff. But to put the to, to put the brake on, one of the best ways to do it to stop that um, survival brain activating your, which is adrenaline and cortisol, mm. is breathing. And we've talked about this mm. that deeper breathing, where you breathe into the heart or, or through the heart space, but you're focusing on the heart. You can put your hand there, and that will actually switch off your um, accelerator that sympathetic nervous system response. And we need to really chill down because when you do that, when you put the brake on, your brain actually goes back into balance. Mm. When we're revving the engine, we're actually working on the emotional brain or the right brain and we're reacting, feeling, um, and that gets us into trouble. Whereas when we put the thinking brain back online in a more um, observational way, which is what happens when you put that brake on. So Mm. if we want good brain function and brain balance, we want to focus and make good decisions and not freeze, or we want to thaw out that freeze, we need to put the brake on and allow the nerve, that autonomic nervous system to... um, to actually chill us down mm. and it, as it releases because when you react to something you're actually dialing up the energy of a traumatic event mm. so Gen- jennifer heights yes. sorry to interrupt yes. hello oh, that's okay um just wondering with that is that something that is um like how how often would you suggest that sort of thing's done because some um what i'm mm. hearing is that under trauma um okay. yeah, particularly we need to kick that in but is that something that is helpful to be doing on quite a regular basis, the, the deep breathing and that taking the time out and things like that? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, can you share something in that space? Um, okay, yeah. absolutely. This is where we daily we need to be working with this. And it's not that we have to switch off everything in the sympathetic nervous system because it, on a Good note, it gives us energy, it helps us to do things. Um, so there is a balance factor. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, if you've ever watched, because on TV they do car races and they'll show the how the feet are working, like the driver will be foot on the brake, foot on the accelerator, you know, is actually like a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we do with that nervous system. So to put the brake on regularly means we have that wind down time. For example, if you have a stress factor, something happens and you know you you can feel your heart rate, your adrenaline's pumping, to actually then stop and do breathing, calming or do something with the mind to settle it um, and put that brake on brings you back to that equilibrium. Mm. And that helps to then discharge that adrenaline rush that you had and not store it or not. Uh, be so affected so you can get to the end of the day and you're not carrying it all with you Mm. so it sounds like regular regular breaks throughout the day to help Mm. us to stop rather than going from one task to the next (laughs) yes definitely what sort of things wind you down i mean this is our listeners can think of things what do you do that helps you to wind down relax there's Mm. lots of things we can do breathing is very quick and easy 
mm. to settle the, the aim is to settle the heart rate and calm it down. So what can you do? Mm. Uh, Why me down? Good question. Oh, I, love, mm. I love just drinking a nice cold <laughs> glass of water. Honestly, okay. honestly, like mm. I, I'll be sitting in the library and yep. I'll be like, oh, okay, I need, to, I need to have a water break right now. And I just get up and I go out to the bubble and I fill my water bottle up and I just stand there and just... I just sip on my water and just, you know, just let, let the, let all the water run through me and hydrate me and just like, oh man, just give my brain a break. And then go back in and sit down (laughs) and have my laptop and my books and, and get stuck in Go back into it. Yeah. Whereas for me, I love going outdoors, like especially with the birds singing and just sitting under the trees and breathing in that really fresh air. Mm. That for me, for like five, 10 minutes is just like bliss. And, Mm. um, yeah. And so I'm wondering what, for, what helps for our listeners as well? Yeah. Oh, the well, uh, the other classic is brilliant. Oh, yes, Go absolutely. On. I was going to say the other classic one that dude that I this 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 will ch- this change my life, dude. Just just going to <laughs> just just going to the toilet. Just <laughs> there's, there's something about there's just something about it. Oh, there's awesome. something about it. I'm stressed. I get up. I go to the toilet. You know, sit sit on the toilet for a little bit, and I just my brain just oh, just all of a sudden I just hit relax mode. It's it, so it's good. A, it's a big release. I so. think I think like the the bigger the the the, beg- the better version of that is like getting in the shower. But yes. like you know, if if you're at the library, a lot of my stories of stress come from the library because I'm a student. Um, yes. I'm at the library. I'm like, oh, I just, I just need to go to the toilet right now, just like for a second. And it's just, <laughs> it just, it just kills everything, and just like really, just brings everything down. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to get back. And hey, if listeners, if you guys have any any ways that you like to simmer down, you know, you like to take a break, let us know. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Absolutely, Jennifer. Yeah, we're, 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 we've got all the methods here. This is awesome. Yeah, it is. It's uh, This is our lifesaver. This is helping us to de-stress on a regular basis mm. instead of getting to the end of the day or end of the week. And then, you know, this is why people end up, if they're constantly stressing and activating that sympathetic nervous system and adrenaline cortisol, they burn out. Mm. And this prevents burnout. You know, one of the things I do, I find when I'm in, I'm raving or you know, I, I, the brain gets very out of balance where you can't focus. I find I'll have six things on the go at the same time at home and mm. it's like, and I never finish any of it. I'm going from one to the next and feel very fragmented. And I find if I stop and I go and make myself, because I love herbal teas, a really nice herbal oh, same, tea. same, Jennifer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> put, put a bit of honey, a lemon in it or whatever, and I go and I'm in a very blessed position where I have a rainforest at the back. I can sit on my deck oh, and look awesome. into the rainforest and have my cuppa. Oh, lucky you. Mm. Absolutely. 10, 15 minutes of that. Uh, even just five minutes is enough to calm me down and I go back in and I can go to the first thing and finish it and systematically go through because my brain's back in balance. Mm. So it doesn't take a long time. You know, it's mm-hmm. having those, don't think, oh, no, I've got to go and do a two-hour walk or, you know, sort of go to the beach or whatever. I mean, we can when we've got time off to actually do more of those things to really allow that nervous system to calm down and we actually do a good discharge. So it's that self-management of that part of the nervous system that will really make a big difference. And what I'm hearing from you, Jennifer, too, it's got to be such a conscious thing in today's day and life, doesn't it? 
It does, because today is such a stressful time. Mm. Um, and, I mean, we're constantly getting bombarded with information, with you know, new rules, the government's changing this and doing that, and people get very stressed, stressed mm. financially. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can't change all those things, but you can certainly manage your body and your, you know, your nervous system and your brain in a much better way. You'll feel better, you'll cope better, you'll focus better, you'll get through your day, and you'll sleep better. Mm. It's... Um, so before going to bed, wind your nervous system down, do some calming, stretching exercises, um, a, a bit of reading something, a, a really nice reading of something. doesn't have to be a lot. Um, you know, I love poetry. I like reading. Well, I like reading my Bible and mm. um, or listen to some nice music, things like that. And that will help you to do that. There are so many things we can do that make a difference. I love what you just said there too, Jennifer. That I like for, for me, it's like the the stretches in the evening, my Pilates stretches, yes. mm. and yes. then and hopping into bed and reading my Bible. And if I do those two, if I miss one of those, <laughs> it doesn't always <laughs> no. work. I've got to get up during the night and do some stretches, you know, mm. sort of thing. But but yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're so right. And everyone's got to find what works for them in in the best yes. way, don't they? Mm. Yes, it is. And, uh, and it's what we call mindful. We're being very mindful. In other words, we're focusing in the present. When you are stressed and your nervous system's revving, it's usually, um, we're dwelling on the past or fearing the future. Mm. The time orientation is past or future instead of in the present. Right. Mm. So, yeah. So what we want to do is bring ourselves back to the present. We can't fix anything in the state we're in. Yes. Um, so true. Yeah. And once you do that, you're much clearer. You can start to look, well, that's my problem, and what am I going to do about it? Solve the, the, the future in the present, the fear in the present. Oh, I love um, what you're saying. I love what you're yeah. saying. That's and beautiful. that's the mental uh, cognitive skill of, okay, well, now I'm thinking clearly. What is it? If that happens to me, what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And then I get people to write their plan down if it's one that gives ongoing stress and anxiety, um, and then every time – they start doing it, they can go back to what they've written or think about, mm. no, this is my plan, I'll do that if that happens, and short-circuit that fear and be back in the present. It's, Absolutely. Um, Jennifer, mm. thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.